forward. Amen. So this morning, I want to share a few scriptures with you. Uh, I believe, let me share this with Ethan so he can load the scriptures uh, with you guys. And I'll share with Anna so she can put it on Zoom. All right, so let's read uh, from Ezekiel chapter 33. We're going to read verse 3 and verse 6. It says, when the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm and warns the people. So this morning, I want to just let you know that I'm going to share some insights because, you know, I've been serving the Lord a long time. I pray for you frequently, and I believe I'm going to share some insights to, to warn you on how the enemy is coming to try to get you. Amen. Um, also, verse 6, it says, but if the watchman sees the enemy coming, and does it sound the alarm to warn the people? He is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their death. You see the pressure I'm on, fam? You see the pressure? <laughs> see, listen, if I don't warn you, I'm responsible. So please forgive me when you, but it sounds like, oh, Pastor Ed's in my business. Oh, why is he rebuking me like that? Listen, every once in a while, I gotta keep it a thousand biblically, and I gotta give you warnings so you can live your best Christ-centered life. The book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus says, and then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all greed. Life does not consist uh, you know, of, of money and, and you know, he was warning them against mammon. All right, Ezekiel 33, Oh, I read that scripture already. Okay, my bad. Life does not consist of abundance of possessions. My, my copy and paste got a little twisty. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It says, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. That's a scripture right there for leaders. Man, Ethan, put that 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Put that in the chat. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn, take heed, to warn those who are lazy. I'm going to let that sit and soak. Encourage those who are timid. Take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. That's a powerful scripture for parenting, for managing. All right, 2 Thessalonians 3.15. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. Powerful, powerful, powerful. 1 John 2.26. For I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Jesus' closest disciple. He wrote a letter, and he goes, I'm here to warn you about those who want to, there's still people who want to lead you astray, fam. So, <coughs> there's a guy, a, a powerful pastor out of Philadelphia, Dr. He wrote, oh, Dr. Eric Mason. And he was talking about how pastors have to warn people 
Because if we don't pass through the people, Charlemagne will. If we don't pass through the people, YouTube influencers will. If we don't pass through the people, rappers will. And so it's three main ideas. Maybe Ethan can put it in the chat. I'm going to warn you today about little foxes, false prophets, and focusing too much on yourself. Little foxes, false prophets, and focusing too much on yourself. So let's go to Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Song of Solomon is a poetic, beautiful book. It's a wild book. Amen. You definitely, when you read Song of Solomon, you definitely want to read it with blueletterbible.com and follow the commentary as you read along because there's a lot of uh, prophetic metaphors between um, this woman and her, her, her love who's like royalty and the church and Christ. So it says here, young women of Jerusalem, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful scripture. What a beautiful scripture. One of the most profound things that Solomon teaches us in the book of Song of Solomon is that we should get rid of the parasites or those small seemingly insignificant things that actually harm, distract, detour, or try to destroy many important things in our lives, including our relationship with God, ministry, career, relationships, and health. You know, I, I really feel the next field of spiritual warfare down the line is going to have to do with diet and parasites, right? And how parasites uh, impact our behavior. Right, um, this is day tax plosis, and it was saying that people, certain uh, a certain amount of people in motorcycle accidents seem to have this certain parasite uh, that often found in home uh, cat owners. Right, it's just so much about parasites. But the thing is, it said we got to watch out for the small things. I like what it says here: the foxes, the little foxes that want to destroy the vineyard. Solomon uses foxes to illustrate the damage that seems small, but that could bring major problems to our life. And, you know, we have a vineyard of our career. We have a vineyard of our ministry. We have a vineyard in our relationships. And we got to watch these foxes, fam. You know, and it's symbolic. And sometimes marriages are impacted by a third voice. It could be a coworker. It could be an in-law. It could be a neighbor. It could be a sibling. And it'll be those third voices that are often the little foxes. In our career, it could be a bad, toxic boss. It could be a, a coworker, a passive-aggressive coworker. Sometimes it's the little foxes that ruin our vineyards. Can I hear an amen? Because the grapevines are blossoming. And so sometimes the enemy tries to destroy things in its genesis, in fragile states. Um... And so we have to be protective. And we have to pray. And we have to think about, how can the devil attack me? Is it because of isolation? Is it because of my viewing? Is it because of past resentments? We have to be our guard. You know, in the Our Daily Bread devotional on March 18th, that is great devotion about little foxes, right? And so they had this great illustration. I'm going to read it. It said a pilot couldn't fit his tea into the cup holder. 
So he set it on the center council. When the plane hit turbulence, the drink spilled on the control panel, shutting off an engine, I Chihuahua. The flight was diverted and landed safely. But it happened again to a crew from a different airline two months later. The manufacturer realized there was a problem. The plane cost 300 million, but its cup holders were too small. The seemingly small oversight led to some harrowing moments. Listen, small details correct the grandest plans. So we're gonna catch these small foxes. How can we catch them? Pay attention to what you pay attention to. Pray about what are your triggers. Pay attention to what diverts you away from God or your spouse or your job. Um, to catch the foxes at this time, it took teamwork. Stay connected to your leaders, to your church, to your mentors, to your boss, to your elders. Um, the little foxes can take sap the joy and excitement out of your relationship with your God or with your with your family. It can steal your focus and make you walk in uh, offense and resentment. So I pray that you would catch the little foxes. Let us ask God to give us a spirit of grace, gratitude, forgiveness, awareness, so we can catch these little foxes in our lives. Can I hear an amen? Second big idea. Beware of the false prophets and the insecure acquaintances. Now I gotta read this long chapter now, so stay with me, fam. 1 Kings chapter 13. If you have your Bible apps, if you have two devices, you have to follow me. 1 Kings 13. It says, As the Lord command, a man of God, it was anonymous, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just as Jeroboam, a bad king, was approaching the altar to burn incense. So as the, then as the Lord commanded, he shouted, O altar, altar. This is the same what the Lord says. A child named, this is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born in the dynasty of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests for the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense and the human bodies will, will be burned on you, right? So this is hardcore prophecy. The same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, the Lord has promised to give this sign, the altar was split apart and his ashes will be poured on the ground. When King Jeroboam, Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he pointed at him and shouted, seize that man. But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in that position and he couldn't pull it back. At the same time, a wide crack appeared at the altar. What a scene. It's like Indiana Jones. And the ashes poured out just as the man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord. Verse 6. The king cried out to the man of God, please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. That's a whole thing on backsliding and ownership of the relationship with God. So the man of God prayed to the Lord and the king's hand was restored so he could move it again. Verse 7. Then the king said to the man of God, come to the palace with me and have something to eat. I will give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, even if you gave me half of everything you own, I will not go with you. I could not, now pay attention. I could not eat or drink anything in this place. 
for the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are here. Do not return to Judah the same way you came. So he left Bethel and went home another way. As it happens, there was an old prophet living in Bethel. So was it too effective of a prophet if everybody was backslidden again? And his sons came home and told him, and it could have been his spiritual sons, told him that the man of God, what the man of God had done in Bethel, and they told their father what the man had said to the king. The old prophet asked them, which way did he go? So they showed their father which road the man of God had taken. Quickly, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. Then he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great tree. The old prophet asked him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? Yes, I am, he replied. Then he said to the man of God, come home with me and eat some food. Now remember, he can't eat. No, I cannot, he replied. I am not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place. For the Lord God gave me this command, you must not eat or drink anything while you are here and do not return Judah the same way you came. But the old prophet answered, I am a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord, bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old man was lying to him. What was drama? So they went together and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. While they were sitting at the table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. He cried out to the man of God from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defiled the word of God, the Lord, and have disobeyed the, the Lord God, the command the Lord God gave you. He came back to this place. You came back to this place and ate and drank where he told you not to eat or drink. Because of this, your body will be buried in the grave of your ancestors. Ai Chihuahua. This is a rough, rough, rough scripture. Verse 23, after the man of God finished eating and drinking, the old prophet saddled his own donkey for him. And the man of God started off again, but as he was traveling along, a lion came out and killed him. His body lay there on the road, and the donkey of the lion sat beside it. Right? So the, the, the lion didn't kill the donkey, the lion didn't eat the man. People who passed by saw the body lying on the road, and the Lord standing beside the, the lion standing beside it, and they went and reported to Bethel where the old prophet lived. So when the prophet heard the report, he said, Is this the man of God who disobeyed the Lord's command? The Lord fulfilled his word by causing the lion to attack him. Then the prophet said to his son, Saddle a donkey for me. So he saddled a donkey. And he went out and found the body lying on the road, and the donkey of lion still standing there beside it. For the lion had not eat the body nor attacked the donkey. So the prophet laid the body of the man of God on the donkey and took it back home to mourn over him and bury him. And he said, he laid the body in his own grave, cried out to grief, oh, my brother. Afterwards, the prophet said to his sons, when I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried, lay my bones beside his bones. For the message of the Lord told him to proclaim against the altar of Bethel and against the pagan shrines in the town of Samaria will certainly come true. But even after this, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil ways. He continued to choose priests uh, from the common people. And he appointed anyone who wanted to become a priest for the pagan shrines. Ooh. Then it, it became a this became a great sin and resulted in the utter destruction of Jeroboam's dynasty from the face of the earth. All right, that was heavy science. So we see here that there was an unnamed man of God 
who started well but didn't finish well. And this is a reminder of the importance of obedience of what God expects from us, right? Um, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. So we see in the first few scriptures, he was strong. He was proclaiming, he was rebuking. We see in verse to 7 to 10, he was separated, right? Sanctified and separated. He said, I can't have fellowship with you guys. I can't be here. I got to keep it moving because these power comes connected to obedience. I want to say that again. The anointing in his life, the power in his life was directly connected to obedience. So he was separated. He was sanctified. We have to, you know, this sanctification process, this anointing, there's a price, fam. There's a price. There's a price for the prize of the promise, precepts, and power, and prophetic insight and foresight that God wants to give you. There is a price. There's a degree of separation. There's a degree of sanctification. And we see here, he was swayed. Another prophet came and said, I'm a prophet too. And so, fam, this is it. You got to be careful. This is why I'm always telling you, Apostles' Creed, the Gospel Summary, um, the, 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 the meta-narrative of the Bible. We have to study this for the rest of our life and rely on the Holy Spirit to give us discernment. Because many other Christians are going to tell you, this is what you should do. This is who you should follow. You should give $39.95 a month to this ministry if you want to get blessed. Oh, you should relocate and move to this place because this is where the blessing is at. We have to be careful. And I say that because I recognize and realize that many of you are not going to be in this church for the rest of your life. And so whatever your next chapter is, I pray that you will walk in discernment. Now, it's not just church stuff. We get distracted. See, he said, I'm a prophet too. Sometimes we get distracted because somebody says, I'm a Christian too. You know, I know a man of God. He was, he was in a small church. I know two, I know two people in my career who, um, you have to be careful of the insecure acquaintances. I know people in my career. I know this one lady, powerful in the DOE. And she said, I used to go to this church. I did everything. Me and and they prophesied, I married this man, I married this man. He was a terrible husband. He was a hypocrite. And I did everything in the church. And they took advantage of me. And then I found myself divorced and alone. And nobody from the church called me. These pastors abused their influence over this young woman. She was like 18, 19 years old. I know another man of God, he was in a small church, and they prophesied he was going to be with this woman. He had a baby with her, and it was just drama. The whole time was drama. See, these pastors want to build their church more than they want to point you to Christ. They are pointing you to the, to the, the, the vision of the church more than the mission of Christ. So we have to be careful. I'm a prophet too. I'm a Christian too. And then, fam, you got to be careful with your culture. Because some of us, our culture is our idol. Oh, I'm Trini too. I'm a dad too. I'm a woman too. Woman power. I'm Bordy too. I'm Dominican too. And so that our guard goes down, our discernment goes down. 
and, I, we, and we let go and we, we drop our spiritual armor and that's when the devil comes in and tries to attack. So we see he was swayed. We see he was scolded. The very prophet, this prophet lied. I saw an angel. That's why you got to be careful with these ministries. Oh, I saw this. I discerned this. This means this. This means that. Listen, you follow Jesus. And so the prophet that 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 distracted him then scolds him. Look at this, this sneaky shibi. He comes in. Oh, the Lord said, "Eat with me." This angel said, "Eat with me," and then he says, "Oh, you should not eat with me." You gotta be careful. And then the prophet was silenced. This prophet had a great ministry ahead of him, but he was silenced by his own disobedience because of a lack of discernment. Not every great man and woman of God is wise. Not every great man and woman of God is wise. And that's why we have to continue to know God, continue to trust the Holy Spirit. That's why we can't grieve the Holy Spirit, fam. We got to stay close to the Holy Spirit. Right now, wherever you are, I say, Holy Spirit, forgive me if I grieved you for what I talk about, what I listen to. May your, I pray that the Holy Spirit's voice will be amplified and raise the value in my mind and my heart. All right. So the third big idea is don't focus too much on yourself. It's not about you, fam. Don't let pride be your guide. Colossians 3.2, it says, let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. This is why we need good systems of stewardship. A good system of stewardship, a good set it and forget it in your finances, in your health, in different aspects, affords you the opportunity to spend more time with the Lord. And to let heaven fill your thoughts. James 3.16 says, Wherever there is jealousy or selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. People who are self-obsessed are people who are often jealous and selfish. There's a lot of antisocial behavior going on. There's a lot of bad behavior going on in this world. Don't let it get on you, fam. Stay focused on the Lord. One of the greatest lessons in life you can learn is to be unselfish. This is how my marriage has survived. Adam and I have chose to become unselfish. This is how I survive in ministry. I chose to become unselfish. And this is a process that's going to take the rest of our life to truly catch. But the good news, God doesn't leave you alone to learn how to be selfless. Romans 8.26 says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So never stop. Don't get caught up with self-obsession. You know, sometimes the most visionary people are the most self-obsessed people. This is what I'm going to do. This is what the Lord has done in my life. This is what the Lord has for me. What I want. How I operate. Never stop making the effort to be selfless. God's spirit in you will help you break the cycle of self-obsession of selfishness, and then you will see a transformation in your finances and your relationship. 
Selflessness brings out the best in others, in our relationships, in our career. You know, God doesn't want you to think less of yourself. He wants you to think about yourself less. Now I'm going to say something a little controversial. We think self-obsessed people are rich people, are good-looking people. We look at Instagram influencers and look at them, they're so conceited. We look at the Kardashians like, oh, these girls make me sick. <laughs> but sometimes the most traumatized and victimized people are often the most self-absorbed people. You know, we think rich people think about money more than poor people, but sometimes the lack of money makes poor people think about money all day long. So as, as the old school preachers used to say, that the followers of Christ must have joy. Jesus, others, and then yourself. All right, fam, we're finished. So three big ideas today. I try to warn you like a watchman. Let's watch, be careful of the little foxes, small things that rob our progress, our joy. Be careful of the false prophets. And then not just false prophets, be careful of people, selfish people, insecure acquaintances that are often to come in your life to distract you or detour you. And don't focus too much on yourself. It's not all about us. It's about the Lord. Don't let your pride be your guide. Should I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I come before you. Give us awareness of the little foxes in our lives. Help us have discernment against the false prophets against the insecure acquaintances, against people, toxic people, who try to connect to us because of faith, because of church affiliation, because of gender, because of race. And sometimes we let our guard down. Father, I pray that we will have just next level discernment. Seal your word in our hearts. And Father, I pray that in this next season of our life, that we won't be self-obsessed. That we will just be more selfless than selfish. That we'll recognize and realize it's not about us. It's about you, Lord, and what you're doing in us and through us. And that we won't let pride be our guide. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, fam. You know, before we dismiss... Um, we want to do one more prayer petitions. Um, if anybody, if, if anybody has any prayer petitions, me and Sister Anna want to lock arms with you. I know um, earlier, Sister, we wanted to pray for our Brother Peter's son, Austin. Is it? Let me look for it. Brother Peter's son. We want to lift up Brother Peter's son, Austin, in prayer. If anybody has any other prayer needs, um, please tell us in the chat. We're going to spend another minute waiting. Sister Anna, did you get any insights from the sermon that you would like to share from your perspective? Yes. Wow. Such a great sermon. And I know that I um, always encourage you to share what God has put in your heart. 